Well, if you're visiting with us this morning, let me just kind of share with you that we are toward the latter part of a Matthew study that we began about a year and a half ago. Um, And so we're right um, on the cusp of being done with this. And so right now what we're doing is we're studying um, what Jesus had to say about the end times. And so I'm looking forward to our study this morning. But before we dive into God's word, let's pray together. Father God, we come before you now, Lord Jesus, just asking that you will just be with us as we continue in our service, Father. Lord, we thank you for our time of worship. And now, Father, as we move into a time of study of your word, Lord, Father, we do ask, Father, I pray that you'll hide me behind your cross. I pray that you'll speak through me. Lord, I pray that the words that are spoken will be your words, Lord. And we pray, Father, that every single one of us, Lord, will leave this place today, A, knowing without a shadow of doubt where we're going to spend eternity. Also, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we leave this place with an urgency knowing that your return could very well be today. It may not be today. It may be tomorrow. It may not be in our lifetime. But regardless, we are to live our life as if your return is imminent. And so, Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, for a sense of urgency, a sense of urgency on behalf of the lost that are outside of the doors of this church, on behalf of the, the lost that may be even in this room, Father. Give us an urgency, Lord Jesus, to share the goodness of salvation with those that we come in contact with. Lord, we love you and we thank you. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Came across this illustration. Actor Kevin Bacon, many of you know who that is. Um, He once shared that when his six-year-old son saw Footloose for the very first time, he said, hey, Dad, you know that thing in the movie where you hang from the, the, the rafters of that building? That was really cool. How did you do that? Well, Bacon said, well, I didn't do that part. It was actually a stuntman. And the boy thought for a second. He goes, well, what's a stuntman? He asked. That's someone who dresses like me and does things I can't do. And the little boy said, oh, and he walked out of the room. He was out of the room for several minutes, and then he comes back into the room, and he, and he says, hey, Dad, you know that thing in the movie where you spin around on that gym bar and you land on your feet? How did you do that? And Bacon said, well, I didn't do that. It was a gymnastics double. And, and, and the little boy says, well, what's a gymnastics double? And Bacon said, that's a guy who dresses in my clothes and does things I can't do. There was silence for, for a moment. And then the boy asked in kind of a concerned voice, Dad, what did you do? And Bacon said, I got all of the glory. That's the grace of God in our lives. Jesus took our sin upon himself and did what we couldn't do. He paid What we couldn't pay. And we stand forgiven and basked triumphantly in Jesus' glory. Jesus took upon himself the role that none of us in this room could. God is good, isn't he? He is good. Let's read together. This morning we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 28. Just a reminder, as I said a second ago, we're dealing with end time scriptures here. This, these passages that we've looked at over the past um, last week, this week, and in the coming um, next couple of weeks, these are things that Jesus had to say about the end times. So Matthew 24, beginning of verse 15, we read these words. So when you see the abomination desolation, 
revelation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in the house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No one never and no and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you before him. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vulture will gather. Last week, our message point was the end is near. Here's what we can be certain of. The day of the Lord is nearer now than at any other time in human history. We may not know the day, but we do know that he is going to return. Did you know that the second coming of Christ is mentioned or referred to some 300 times in the New Testament alone? We can be certain that Jesus Christ is going to return, and we need to be ready for that day. Jesus is going to return again. And when he does return, let me ask you this. Will you be ready? If Jesus was to return today and snatch away all of the believers in this room, would you go with him? And if you don't know the answer to that, then please do not leave this place this morning without knowing for certain where you are going to spend eternity. Jesus is going to return And we know the end is near. How near that we don't know. Jesus did not tell us the day. He did not tell us the time or the hour. But he did leave us with signs to help prepare us for the day of his return. What we do know is this. There is going to be great devastation before he does return. And that leads us this morning into our very first point. And this is what we read. This is the first point. Jesus' warning of destruction. What we see in this passage of Scripture is both a near and a far destruction. The destruction of Jerusalem and the temple would occur in 70 AD, and there will also be a future destruction that will occur during the days of the Antichrist. So by way of review, let's do this. Let's reach back for those of you that weren't here last week and for those of you that just may have forgotten what we talked about last week. Let's look back at Matthew chapter 24 in the very first three verses. These are the words that that we read. We read that Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The disciples had been with Jesus. They, they had just been with him in the temple. 
They had heard Jesus pronounce seven woes against religious leaders. And if you remember from Bill's sermon a couple of weeks ago, a couple of things that he called the Pharisees, he called them hypocrites. He called them whitewashed tombs. And the reason he did that, because the Pharisees lived one, or they preached one thing, and they lived a totally different way. And if you and I are not careful, we too can find ourselves living lives like Pharisees. We can find ourselves living one way on Sunday and another way the rest of the week, and we too must be careful. We must guard ourselves against that. We must do everything that we can to live our lives in accordance with God's word as opposed to the world's standards. Upon leaving the temple with his disciples, Jesus would cross over the Kidron Valley and take a seat somewhere on the Mount of Olives. While seated, the disciples come to him. And if you recall, he, they ask him two specific questions. Last week, we looked at the, Jesus answered the second question before he answered the first question. And Jesus gave the disciples six warnings. And these six warnings were, were signs of the, the coming of his return. And if you recall, there's six things. Spiritual deception was one thing that Jesus said to guard against or to be prepared for. Spiritual deception, false teachers and religions would rise up. And we've seen that in our day. And there are going to be other false teachers and false religions that will happen in the coming days. There will be international conflict, world wars like we have never seen before are coming to this world. There will be natural disasters, catastrophic disasters on a scale that we have never seen before as well. Brutal persecution. And that persecution will not just be in places like North Korea and China and the Middle East. It could very well come right here to our borders, even right here in Fairview, Texas, Allen, Texas, Lucas, Texas, McKinney, Texas, Princeton, Texas, Wiley, Texas, wherever it might be, right here in Collin County as well. There will also be worldwide apostasy Apostasy, people leaving the church or renouncing the name of Christ will happen during the end times too. And there will also be global evangelism. Every nation, tribe, and people group will have had an opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ before Jesus Christ returns. My friends, as we looked at last week, the things that are coming are terrifying, yes. But understand this, for believers, for us in this room that profess Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives and we repented of our sins, we have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to fear because our, 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 our eternity is secure, right? If you're a believer in this room, you know that when you take your final breath on this side of eternity, you're going to wake in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, as we move forward into verse 15. What we see is Jesus answer um, the first question now. So verse 15, again, we read this. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Within the expository commentary, um, the, the, the writer wrote these words. He said, the abomination that causes desolation is a sign that Jerusalem is right on the verge of being destroyed. When Matthew refers to Daniel's prophecy, he is likely referring 
referring to several texts, including Daniel 8.13, Daniel 9.27, Daniel 11.31, Daniel 12.11. Centuries prior to Christ's return, the prophet Daniel foretold a time when a foreign ruler would come into the temple and profane it. Most Jewish people linked that prophecy with something that happened around 168 B.C. when a ruler by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes came into the temple and erected a pagan temple and sacrificed a pig on it, thus defiling the temple. But Jesus seems to be saying that event, which would have been blasphemous and detestable in the eyes of the Jews, was only a foretaste of what would happen when Jerusalem is destroyed. Approximately 40 years after Jesus spoke these words, around 70 AD, Roman armies began surrounding the city of Jerusalem to overtake it. And when they did take the city, the Roman army destroyed the temple and made sacrifice to false gods, declaring Titus, the Roman emperor, to be supreme. What happened when that event occurred is millions of Jews lost their lives when this bloodbath happened. All of this took place about 40 years after Jesus uttered these words. Now, let me be clear with you this morning. That was the destruction of, of the second temple, or often referred to as Herod's temple. There is going to come another day when there is going to be a third temple that is going to be erected in Jerusalem as well. And this will be, um, the, one writer says, the third temple will exist during the Great Tribulation. Daniel refers to this temple when he says that the prince who is to come will enter it and stop the sacrifice in the middle of the tribulation. The apostle Paul mentions it when he declares that the man of lawlessness will profane the temple by entering it and declaring himself to be God. The third temple is also mentioned in the book of Revelation when John is told to measure it, a symbolic way of telling him to access its spiritual condition. There is coming a day when the Antichrist will rule this world. He will be a deceiver. He will be a liar. He will be a blasphemer of God. But he will also be a friend during those early days. He will be a global friend and especially a friend to the Jews. However, this friendship will be short-lived because he will soon rise up and show his true colors and will seek to destroy anyone that gets in his way. When this man does rise up to destroy Jerusalem and defile the temple, we know that there will be bloodshed like never before. So as we read this passage of Scripture, remember we're dealing with something that was near, something that would occur in in 70 A.D., and Jesus is making that prediction, and he is also speaking of a time that is to come, a time of another um, time of desolation and another time of destruction that will come to Jerusalem as well. And that will occur when the Antichrist reigns um, in the future. Notice our second point this morning. It is this, Jesus' warning to flee. In verses 16 through 18, again, we read, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his coat. Cloak. The destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. Jesus was telling his disciples that it was going to be so severe that he gives them warning signs. When you see basically these armies marching upon Jerusalem, he's telling them to flee. He's saying, he tells them to flee 
to the mountains. He tells them, if you're up on your housetop, don't take time to go into your house and gather up your belongings and then flee to the mountains. He's telling them, if you do that, then, then you may not make it out of the city. And he's also telling them, and this is a big one, he tells them, if you're out in your field and you're working the land and, and, and you see these things happening, he's saying, don't go back to your home. Don't go back for your cloak. And if you remember, a cloak was, was one of the most valuable possessions that a person had. It served not only as their jacket, but it was their blanket. It was all that they had to keep warm. And to abandon their cloak meant that they were going to have to suffer if they had to especially flee during the winter months. Those, what we know about the warning is that the believers did flee before that day of desolation occurred. The Christians heeded the words of Jesus. The early um, church fathers one-sided this with, um, and said, all who believed in Christ left Jerusalem and they fled to Pella and other places beyond the River Jordan. And so they all marvelous, marvelously escaped the general shipwreck of their country. Not one of them perished. The believers fled. Jesus offered up a warning to the believers through the disciples, and they fled whenever they saw all of these things coming on. I mean, it's just amazing when you think about it that, that hundreds of thousands of Christians, not a single one of them lost their life because they heeded the warnings of Jesus. Unlike the Christians, it is said that, that potentially millions of Jews lost their life. Because they did not heed the warning that Jesus had given them. The warnings do not stop there. They get even more specific. Next we see Jesus' warning to mothers. In verse 19 and 20 we read, And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight might not be in winter or on a Sabbath. The days of desolation would even be more tragic for the pregnant woman and for those that were nursing their children. Obviously they would not be able to move as quickly as their counterparts would. And so it could very well be if they were not able to move fast enough that they could have been in danger of being captured and, and enslaved by the Romans. Then Jesus tells the disciples to pray even that the day of desolation does not come during the winter months. You know, Palestinian winters are nothing like the rest of the world's winters, but it does get cold there. There is inclement weather that does happen in that part of the world. And so Jesus is saying, hey, pray that it doesn't happen during this time because your flight out of the city is going to be slowed up. And he also tells them that to pray that it doesn't happen on the Sabbath because the legalistic Jews, what are the legalistic Jews going to do? Man, they're going to they're accuse those that are fleeing the city as, as breaking the Sabbath and breaking the law. And so Jesus says to, to, to pray that it does not happen on that day. Here's what I want us to see this morning. I know, like I said last week, the words that we are reading this morning and the words that we read last week, these are some very heavy passages, and the, this is a very heavy sermon. Okay, but understand this. Jesus provided warnings to his disciples, and he wanted them, in turn, to go and share those warnings with other people, and that is exactly what they did. The early believers heeded those warnings, and they were protected from the incoming destruction. You and I also 
have been given warning signs of the things that are going to happen before the Lord Jesus returns. And so we need to prepare our hearts and our minds and our lives for, for the return of Jesus Christ. And God's word is also full of other warnings, is it not? Warnings to flee from, from, from evil. Warnings to in encouraging words from Paul to put on the full armor of God. To flee the evil desires of youth is what we're told in 2 Timothy. All throughout God's word, God gives us warning signs. You know, when I was a student pastor especially, one of the things that I often heard from students was, you know, God's word is full of a bunch of, of, of don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that. Okay, that may be true. God's word is full of, 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 of things that it says don't do these things. Well, the reason those things are in there is for our protection. God tells us to flee things for our protection. God tells us to put on the former, full armor of God for our protection. So as we read through God's word and you see don't do this, it's not because God wants to rob you of your fun. It's because God is warning you of the consequences if you give in to these certain things. And so there are warnings all through God's word. And if you and I heed those warnings, we will be protected, won't we? John 10.10, 10, we read, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What is Satan's primary goal? It's to rob us, isn't it? But what did Jesus say? He said, I have come that you might have life, abundant life, full life. Jesus came so that we can experience life. He didn't come to be a killjoy. He came to give us life. So understand, as you read through God's word, in, as, as, as we read warnings that are given to us as believers, we are to heed those warnings. For our protection, not, not, not because Jesus has given them to us to rob us of, of maybe some future pleasure that we might want to experience in life. Okay, so continue with me. Our, our, our final point this morning is this. Jesus' warning against deception. In verses 21 through 27, we read these words. For then there will be great tribulations such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus said that this will be the most awful time in all of human history. Okay, think about that. Think about the wars that have occurred since the beginning of humanity. Think about the plagues that have wiped out millions of people throughout history's past. Think about the famines. Think about the genocide. Think about the natural disasters. Think about all the things that have happened throughout human history. And what is to come is even worse than what has occurred. That's pretty sobering, isn't it, when you think about it? The world is going to get worse before it gets better. What we see today may be as good as it ever gets, okay? That isn't to be depressing for us, 
okay? It should be a reminder to us that Jesus Christ's return is near. Here's what we know. Even in the final days, even during the days when there will be great distress and great destruction, the Lord makes it clear that there will be people who come to faith in Jesus Christ, and it will be for their sake that the days of tribulation will come to an end. Yes, the days before humanity will be terrifying, but for the believer, we have nothing to worry about because our home is secure. We know that when we take our final breath on this side of eternity, that we will awake in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ on the other side of eternity. Over the past couple of weeks, we have studied the very words spoken by Jesus some 2,000 years ago. With his words come a promise that the things are going to get worse before they get better. Once again, there will be spiritual deception, international conflict, natural disaster, brutal persecution, worldwide apostasy. There will be great destruction that will occur, but there will also be a promise. There is also a promise that Jesus gives us that there will be global events evangelism as well. The nations are going to hear the gospel. Every people group, every nation, every tongue will have had the opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ before Jesus returns. That is good news. And folks, as I said before, my prayer is that Friendship Baptist Church is going to be a church that has a, a role in seeing the nations come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The unreached reached. So we have a role to play even as the sign of Jesus' return is close. We have a role to play, and that is to do everything that we can to reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to reach our neighbors with the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. We are going to see a revival, I believe, occur, most likely on a scale that we have never witnessed before. And that is going to come before the Lord Jesus Christ returns as well. As we approach the end of days, you and I must be on our guard. Because as this passage of scripture shared, as Jesus spoke the words... In the end times, there are going to be false teachers that arise. There are going to be people that arise and they're going to make a claim that they are indeed the Messiah, that they are indeed the resurrected Christ. There are going to be those people that are going to make those claims. But you and I will know that they are not the Messiah because Jesus makes it clear in verse 27 that when he returns, he will come like the lightning. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. He will not come in the secret of night. He will come and light up the sky when he returns to this earth earth and his return will be unmistakable. The first time Jesus did come in the dead of night per se, whenever he was born to two peasants in a manger in Bethlehem. His second coming, though, will be much different. He will come riding on the clouds. In Daniel seven thirteen through 14, we read these words, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and told him, and, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall never be destroyed. Jesus came the first time in humility to provide salvation to all who put their faith and trust in him. But he's going to come 
the second time, and he's going to be the righteous judge. And one day, every single one of us in this room and every single person outside the doors of this church will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for the believer will receive our reward. For the unbeliever, they're going to receive justice. And what that means is this. They're going to, be, they're going to receive eternal death because they chose not to believe in Jesus. And as a result, they will spend eternity separated from God in a real literal place called hell. Will you be ready? Are you going to be ready for that glorious day when Jesus returns? If his return was today, let's say it happens right now, it's about 1150 at 12 o'clock. The Lord Jesus Christ, if he was to return and snatch away the believers, would you be left behind or would you go with him? Scripture is clear and Jesus was clear that he will return. And so as believers, we must be alert. The days before us are going to be war-torn. We know that, both physically and spiritually. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Come the end of days, Satan is going to do whatever he can to rob everyone of, of any hope of eternity that they might have. So as believers, we must be alert and we must be on our guard and help other people be alert as well. We, and we cannot be naive. Many false gospels are being preached today. Many people claim to be Christians. They claim to be Christians and they're buying in to false teaching every single Sunday. Don't allow that to happen. The truth of God's word is the same today as it was the day it was penned. We do not compromise the word of God, and we do not believe that because humanity might change its belief system, that God's word also is to change with humanity's belief system. If God's word was true 2,000 years ago, then it is just as true today. And we also must be bold. Today is not the day to run to the mountains and hide. Today is the day that we combat this world, this false gospel, with the truth of Jesus Christ. Let us boldly proclaim the truth of God's word and do everything we can to lead people to Jesus Christ, to the Savior of the world, and to their eternal Father. And finally, let us live without fear. You know, I know that so often as believers, when we read passages like Matthew 24 and 25, and we read through the book of Revelation, and we read through um, passages in the Old Testament dealing with end-time prophecy, a lot of times, even as believers, we get scared, don't we? Man, we're, we're, we're afraid of what is going to come. Well, I want you to know this. For the believer, God's word was not written to scare us, Okay. It was not written so that we could live in fear of what is going to happen in the end. You and I, we've read the last page of this book, right? We know how it's going to end. And we know that for believers, that to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. And so we are to live without fear. Okay, if anything, the way that we are to live knowing that the end is near is we live um, with a greater urgency, 
a greater urgency to see the lost of this world place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's live with that. Let's not live with fear, but let's live with an urgency to see the lost of this world come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Let's do that. Because there is a lost world that is depending on men and women and students and children like us in this room to share with them the truth of God's word, to share with them the hope of eternity, to share with them the reality of what is going to happen in God's word. Okay? Let's not sugarcoat the end times. Let's, let's be truthful with people what's going to happen in the end. And let's be bold and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question this morning. Just once again, I've already asked it um, earlier, but are you ready for Jesus' return? If Jesus Christ was to return today, would you be ready? Do you know where you will spend eternity? If you don't know, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to be standing here at the front, and, and if the Lord is, is speaking to your heart, then I invite you to come. If you don't know for sure where you'd spend eternity, you come, and I would love to share with you. Last Sunday, um, during our time of invitation, my niece Brindley came forward, and she gave her life to Jesus Christ, and it was a day of celebration. And I want you to experience that kind of celebration as well. If you are here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you come. You may be here this morning and you just want to come and kneel at the altar. And, man, maybe the Lord is just speaking to you and, and sharing with you something that you need to do as a result of this message. You come and you pray. You may need to, just where you're at, just sit down and pray during this time of invitation. I don't know how you need to respond. But first of all, I pray that you won't leave this place not knowing when you're going to spend eternity. Let's stand together, and I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And then after I'm done praying, if there's a decision you need to make, you come. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now, Lord Jesus. Father, I know, Lord, that this is a very heavy message. Father, when you spoke these words to your disciples... It was a heavy message for them to receive as well. And they got it all in one punch. They didn't get it broken out like we are right now, like we have today and what we have last week and like we will in the coming um, Sundays as well. So, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will, Father, just allow your word to to, um, be received. And Father, I pray that there will not be a single person in this room that, that fears what is coming. Father, we know it's going to be an unpleasant season, unpleasant years. But Father, this is not our home. Father, this is not where we're going to dwell for all of eternity. This is just our temporary residence. Our home, if we're believers, is with you for all of eternity. And so, Father, help us be reminded of that as we think about these heavy passages and this heavy content. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that has yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today you'll draw them unto salvation. 
I pray that today will be the day that they surrender their lives over to you and repent of their sins and cry out to you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. I also pray, Lord Jesus, if there are some in this room, Father, that that you're doing a work in their lives, I pray, Father, that you will just allow them, Father, to let you work. Reveal to them how they need to respond. Maybe it's a person that they need to share the good news of salvation with. Lord, maybe it's um, that you're calling them to go on mission. Maybe it's you're calling them to go and, 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 and on, on um, foreign missions to pack up everything here to go and work with the people group that has yet to have the language of, 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 of the word of God um, presented to them in their language, Father. And Lord, I don't know what decisions need to be made in this room, but I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll just speak to each one of our hearts. Father, we love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.